0: Everybody knows the song. Um, if you don't, we'll have the lyrics on the screen. And you can stand and sing with us or you can stay seated and huddled in your warm coats.
1: Everybody, thank you so much for being here. I'm Alex. Welcome to Horizon Community Church. And this morning we have some special guests with us our friends from Watershed Church. Uh, we recognize here at Horizon we can't reach everybody in the Philadelphia area. There's a lot of people who don't know Jesus. And our church was started through the Scent Network, and they're starting other churches, uh, including over in Roxborough with our friends at Watershed. And one of our passions here is we don't want to just grow Horizon. We want to grow other churches. We want to see other churches grow. And one of the things we do each month is we send money from the church over to help Watershed. And the money that you give here doesn't all go to us, doesn't all go to missions. Some of it goes over to Watershed so that we can help them. So I've asked their pastor, Eric McMahon, who's become such a great friend and a mentor and just a trusted confidant to me, uh, to come up and just share a little bit about his church and then pray for us this morning. Let's give him a hand as he comes.
2: Thank you. Good morning. Uh really glad to be here. It's kind of funny that we're here. We, um, we meet at a middle school in Roxborough in Philadelphia, in Northwest Philly, and we got a call at about 3.30 on Friday afternoon that said, you can't have church here this week. And I'm like, well, why not? And they said, well, because all the schools are shut down all weekend, no activities whatsoever. So we're like, oh, what do we do? And the top of our list was uh, coming to see Horizon. So we're really happy to be here. We've got some of our, of our people here. We really appreciate the support that uh, Alex and Darby and and you as a church have given us. Um, uh, Some of you may or may not have been, some of you guys have come over to Roxborough to help with some community service that we've done. Some of us have been over here on the main line to help with some community service around here, helping over, I think, at the art, what's it called, the art, 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 art. the art museum thing, something, mainline art Art center. We've helped over there and kind of helped around the community here and We've, uh, Alex and I have prayer walked a lot. We've prayed for this area every other week for the longest time. We would prayer walk over here and then he'd come over to Roxborough and we prayed. So you've been prayed for. This community's been prayed for. And like Alex said, um, it's, we're all on the same team. It's not about one church. It's not about one pastor. It's about reaching the Philadelphia metro area with the message of Jesus Christ and the hope that he brings. In fact, that's, for a watershed, that's our mission statement is to know Jesus and then to flood the world with God's love. And I know that's a very similar heart to our community churches. They want to help you know Jesus and they want to help you flood the world with God's love, flood the mainline with the love of God. And I think that's something that, that we all need right now and that our world needs right now is the love of God. And so we're really happy to be in partnership with you guys and, and look forward to seeing you all again. Uh, maybe not on a Sunday morning because starting next week, we're we're back on our normal schedule. We'll be in Roxborough, and you'll be here. But there will be times where we come over here and hopefully help you serve serve your community in the name of Jesus. And hopefully you'll be able to come over and uh, help us serve Roxborough in the name of Jesus. All right. Thanks for having us today. Let's pray. God, we love you, Lord. And, um, God, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you for each and every family that's represented here. God, I pray a special blessing on them, God, not just... Not just physical or material blessings, although those are great, but God, I pray a spiritual blessing on them, God, that wherever they are today, um, God, in, in, their, in, in their relationship with you or in what they think about you, God, that, that you just move them one step. Move them one step closer, God, and I pray that, that you help them to know you more. God, I, help, I pray that their lives are changed in a very real way, in a very positive way. Uh, by encountering you through, through preaching and through singing today. God, I pray for Alex as he preaches. Uh, God, it looks like they're doing money. And I know that we all want more of it, and we want to know what to do with it once we get it. Uh, but, God, I pray that you help us to see uh, through your eyes what we should do with our money. God, what, what happens to money, where money comes from, and, God, that we can honor and glorify you in those things. Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ.
1: Give the band a hand as they walk off. Great job. Great job. So, we're starting a new series today called Money Matters. And uh, when I was in seminary, I had a seminary professor who told me, He said, Whatever you do, don't ever preach on money. People hate talking about money, so don't ever do that. And uh, maybe it's just the rebel in me. I'm like, As soon as somebody tells me not to do something, I'm like, I'm going to do that someday. And the reality is, Jesus talked about money a lot. He talked many times about money so often, and uh, sometimes we just kind of skirt around it and we try to avoid it because we don't like talking about money. And uh, we especially don't like sometimes what the church says about money, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but when I was growing up, my grandfather, Melvin, he was not a follower of Jesus. Uh, he thought there might be a God out there, but he didn't follow Jesus, and he was real cynical about church. He had only gone to church a few times in his life when he was younger. And he took my mom when she was a little girl to church with him, and uh, he went a few times, and he wanted to be Jesus in the Christmas play, and they told him no, and he said, I'm never going back to church. And so he walked out and left, and uh, so when I told him after college that I felt like Jesus was leading me to pastor and to preach, he says, Alex that's a really good gig. He says, they pass those plates through the church, fill it up with money, and the pastor just pours that all in his pocket. He's like, you're going to be set for life. I'm like, I don't think that's how it works. And if you wonder, that's not how it works. Like the pastor just doesn't pocket everything that comes in. But I think sometimes that's what we think about. And so when someone stands up and talks about money, we think he just wants more money. That's why he's saying that. Um, You know, that they think that it's just an attempt to get a raise or to pad our own pockets. Uh, Just so you know, before I talk about money, currently, right now, Horizon pays me 0% of my salary. The Send Network, which we talked about, helping start this church, they're funding that as well as some other churches and individuals who believe in what we're doing, and they're paying my salary right now until we become financially stable. When I'm speaking about money during this series, this is not an attempt for me to get a higher salary or to make more money. I'm honestly trying to share with you what Jesus said about money so that you can enjoy what he's given you, so that you can use your money in the way that he wants, so that you can maximize the joy and the potential of your money. Because I genuinely believe that what Jesus taught about everything in life was for your good. Not to torture you, not to make you suffer, but really because he wants your best. And sometimes what's best for us isn't always what's pleasant, but when Jesus talks about money, he genuinely wants you to use your money in a way where you can enjoy it and get the most contentment out of it. So that's our background there. Um, Growing up in church, I don't know if this is what you've experienced, but I really only ever heard one message about money growing up in church, and that was this, give the church more of your money. And that's the message I heard over and over again. And uh, you know, it'd be every couple months and it'd be like, you really need to give more. And that was really the only thing I ever heard about money from the church. That might've been your experience, might've been different. Um, And the New Testament does teach, we should pull our resources to accomplish the mission of Jesus in this world. It talks about that, that's a reality. But Jesus also said a lot of other things about money that sometimes we don't touch upon. And we're gonna talk about some of those uh, today. In fact, many of the ways that I found that people who talked about money in church made God always seem needy and desperate. Have you ever seen that? It always sounds like, man, God is broke. Like, people would talk about it in church. They'd be like, you need to give more of your money to church. And I'm like, God's got everything, right? Like, why is he always after my money? Like, the way we talk about God needing money and the church needing money makes it sound like God is broke and desperate. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need my money he invites us to give to his work and be a part of what he is doing and his mission in this world we give because it's an opportunity to be involved in what he's doing in fact god invites us to give to inoculate our hearts against greed giving is the only answer the only cure to greed greed what greed does is it keeps you from enjoying what you have because you always want more. And so God says, I want you to enjoy your life. I want you to enjoy your money. And so I want you to give because that protects your heart against greed. So you can actually enjoy what you have. So I can safely give you more so that you can have more joy when I give you more. So God invites us to give, not because he's needy and desperate, but because he wants us to enjoy what we have. Now, most of us in our lives, we end up dividing things into sacred and secular. We make all these little boxes and we're like praying. That's a sacred Going to work—that's secular. You know, listening to music, secular. You know, uh, eating, secular. Um, going to church—that's a sacred thing. And we have all these breakdowns. But the reality is, the Bible doesn't make this divide. The Bible says everything is spiritual. Everything has spiritual ramifications. And so the reality is, we usually think of money and we put it over here in the secular box. But how we use our money, how we think about money, how we deal with money—is actually a spiritual issue. Now. What the church usually talks about is, um, you know, how we kind of divide our life up is we think we have all these buckets. We have, like, our sex lives. We have our finances. We have our, our ambitions. We have our career. We have our afterlife. We, some people have hundreds of buckets. They're pretty simple people. Some people have tens of thousands of buckets. They're really complicated people, right? And we divide our life up into all these buckets. And usually what we hear from the church is this. Jesus wants to save your afterlife bucket. And we think, well, I wasn't doing anything with my afterlife bucket anyways. I really don't know what to do with it and what's going to happen. So sure, Jesus can have my afterlife bucket. And we think, okay, so I'm going to go to heaven someday. Good. I can keep using these buckets over here exactly as I want to, right? Jesus wants to do more than save your afterlife, what happens after you die. He wants to save your wallet. He wants to save your relationship. He wants to work in every aspect of your life, all these other buckets. But what happens is we're like, I wasn't really using my afterlife bucket, so I'm fine if Jesus wants to take that. When it comes over here and you say, Jesus wants to take my wallet, what's that going to cost me? You know, we don't always like that message. But Jesus never preached a message of salvation for merely your future, right? He preached a full-body salvation as you submit every part, every bucket of your life to him He doesn't want to just save your soul from hell He does He wants you to have an eternal relationship with him But he also wants to save your wallet Your marriage Your ambition There's a reality about humanity We're self-destructive people You know It's just a, it's just a reality We're self-destructive The Bible calls these self-destructive things That we say and do and think sin Right? Sin sounds like such a Bible word No one drives down the road Somebody cuts you off And uh, you say Man, they have sinned against me Truly, they have sinned together. Nobody says that, right? But what are we talking about when we're talking about sin? We're talking about the destructive things we say, do, or think that hurt our relationship with God and others. And we all do this. Like anyone who's made a New Year's resolution recognizes how self-destructive they are because you go on a diet and then three days later you're like, man, that donut looks good. I think I'll just go ahead and have that, right? We're self-destructive or we think I'm going to get my finances in order and then we're like, but there's a sale right now. I need to go ahead and pick this up. You know, we're self-destructive, and the uh, the reality is because we're self-destructive, our tendency is to use money wrong. Our self-destructive human nature means that we're going to use money wrong. We're going to use food wrong. We're going to use relationships wrong. Uh, Jesus didn't come just so that we can go to heaven. He came so that we could experience a better way to live now. So. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus starts talking about anxiety and worry and all these self-destructive things, okay? Worry is one of those self-destructive things we do. It doesn't accomplish any good in the world. It doesn't make our lives better. It actually makes our lives worse. And pretty soon as he starts talking about worry, he turns to this subject of money. Look at what he says in Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. He says, Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let me just say that again because it's it's a powerful... Whether or not you believe Jesus was God, whether or not you believe the Bible is true, this statement is true. It's undeniably true. It resonates in our lives. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And skip down to verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and he will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So just going back to that phrase there, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Uh, Did you catch what Jesus is saying here? I think sometimes we read this we're like, that's a good Bible verse, you know? Slap that on Instagram. But we don't think about what it means. What he's saying is, What you treasure will control your emotions. What you treasure will control your emotions. So how do you know what you treasure? What you treasure controls what you think about, what you talk about, what gets you excited. Remember we talked about all those buckets in our life? Usually we have one bucket that we've designated, this is the treasure of my life. This is the focus of my life. This is gonna define where my hopes, my dreams, and my fears reside. What we choose to treasure becomes the most important defining decision of your life. What you choose to treasure will define the trajectory of your entire life. What you treasure will reveal what you sacrificed for and what you'll live and die for. Um, When I was a boy, I was always digging for buried treasure. I was obsessed with finding buried treasure. I had a fedora hat like Indiana Jones and I got a whip. I loved Indiana Jones, and I got a leather jacket, and I was like, I am Indiana Jones. And I'd go back out in my yard in Tennessee, and I ha- I'd take my dad's shovel out of the garage, and I'd always leave it out in the woods, and it'd get rusty, he loved that. But I would go out in the yard, and I'd just dig holes. I'd be like, there might be treasure there. And I'd dig a hole, and then I'd go over here, I was like, no treasure there, I'd dig another hole. He'd be out there in the riding lawnmower, you know, he's like, bah! in hole, he's like, ah, my son's digging for treasure again. You know what's interesting? On some weekends, he'd ask me to go out and work in the yard with him. He's like, hey, we're going to put in a flower bed over here, dig a hole. I hate digging holes. I don't want to dig that hole. But when I was digging for buried treasure, man, I'd dig holes all day long. That's my entire youth was spent digging holes in random places. Uh, But as soon as it was not for treasure, it became work. Many times, what you treasure is the thing that you don't mind sacrificing for. And that can be very dangerous if you're treasuring the wrong thing. Jesus here warns that treasuring temporary things leads to emotional insecurity. What happens is if we treasure the wrong thing, worry is a revelation that we put our weight on an idol, something that cannot hold up to the weight of our fears. Um, We've essentially put all the weight of our worries on something that's fragile and can't hold up our emotions. Treasuring the wrong things will lead to an emotionally imbalanced life. Jesus is warning that without the proper treasure compelling us forward in life, our lives will constantly be plagued by worry. I like how C.S. Lewis summed it up. He said this. Uh, He just made it very simple. He said, don't let your happiness depend on something that you may lose. Treasuring something temporary will lead to worry. It'll lead to unhappiness. It'll lead to fear. So what do you treasure? How do you know? Uh, There's an interesting uh, story if you read Sherlock Holmes or if you just watch the more recent Sherlock show on BBC called Scandal in Belgravia. And he's trying to find these compromising photos that were taken of British royalty. And so he goes into this lady's house and he doesn't know where she's hidden them in the house. And he has his sidekick Dr. Watson set off a smoke alarm and the lady's eyes dart to where the safe is hidden, right? Think about what you would save in case of a fire. Now, that might be a physical something, but what would you save in case of an emotional fire? What's that one thing that you go to or that one place and you think, this is that thing that if I lose this, I've lost everything? That reveals what we're treasuring, what we've put all our hopes and dreams and investment into. Uh, into. Uh, for most people, honestly, if we're honest, we worship money and we tolerate God. That's what Jesus is saying here in verse 24. No one can serve two masters They'll either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. If I asked you what your religion was, you might say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus or I'm spiritual or I'm searching or I'm looking. But the reality is if an alien race came to our planet and examined your life, examined most of our lives, what they would conclude is they worship money. If you look at most Americans, what are we after? What are we treasuring? What are we focused on? What are we fixated on achieving and gaining? It's money. And as we treasure money, the result is we're affected with all sorts of lusts and worries associated with money. And you might say, well, Alex, I have no money. I am broke. So this isn't an issue for me, right? Greed is not limited just to the rich or just to those who have money, right? You can be greedy and have very little. You can be greedy and have very much greed remember is just not being able to enjoy what you've already been given you don't have to have money to make it the treasure to make it the master of your life voltaire said it this way when it comes to money all people are the same religion when it comes to money really all of us worship the exact same thing the majority of people in voltaire's mind make money their chief and end goal of existence God gives us money as a tool to accomplish his goals. When a tool becomes a goal, we set ourselves up for disappointment. You Money is a tool to accomplish the goals and purposes that God has for us. But when we make having money itself the goal, we set ourselves up for disappointments, for worries, and for fears. So the decisions we make in our lives actually reveal who our master is. It's really easy to sit in church and be like, well, Jesus is my master. And then Monday through Saturday, act like money is actually our master. Everything becomes revolved about how to get it, how to keep it, how to get more of it, how to enjoy it. What we treasure becomes the guiding compass for the entire direction of your life. What you treasure will subconsciously affect every decision that you make because you will make decisions to uh, pursue and achieve the treasure. If you treasure the wrong thing, you set yourself up for a life defined by emotional failure and disappointment. So that brings us to our application. You say, okay, Alex, awesome. Thanks for sharing that. What do we do with this? How do we change what we treasure? First of all, I think we need to identify. We need to identify what we treasure, what we're currently treasuring. And this may take some time. Don't assume you're treasuring the right thing. Our hearts are tricky sometimes. And as we hear this message, we think, well, I'm treasuring Jesus. I'm good. I'll just move along. The reality is most of the time, because we're self-destructive, most of the time we're treasuring the wrong thing. Most of the time, like Voltaire said, most people on this earth are treasuring money and the pursuit of money. So take some time to examine what you're treasuring, identify it, and let me encourage you to do this. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what is the treasure of your life. And you might say, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Try it. Just pray anyways and say, Holy Spirit, if you're real, reveal to me what the treasure is of my life. What's the defining treasure? Ask people around you who know you well. And ask a wide enough audience that if one person says something crazy, you can recognize it as an outlier. Examine what you think about, what you talk about, and how you spend your time or money. What keeps you up at night worrying about? What's the thing that you're always thinking, if I lose that, everything is gone? Identify. Take some time to identify this with what you currently are treasuring. And then number two, we need to replace what we're currently treasuring. How do you replace something when you're treasuring the wrong thing? When you identify your treasure and you recognize this is something that moth or rust or thieves can destroy, this is something that isn't eternal, this is something that's going to continue to lead to emotional worry and disappointment, you have to let it go. And sometimes you're like, well... If I'm treasuring my job, how do I let that go? Well, that doesn't mean that you necessarily quit your job if it's become your treasure, but that might mean you don't take that promotion when it's offered because you don't want to work more and uh, you instead accept a position with lower pay and less hours. Um, The only way to get rid of an unhealthy treasure is to give some of it up. If there's something you treasure too much, the best thing to do is give some of it away. Give some of it away. Giving generosity in general protects our heart against greed so we can enjoy what we have. If you're treasuring the wrong thing, find some way to be lavishly generous with it. The only way to change what you treasure is to turn your treasure into a gift. And finally, once you identify and you replace by giving away some of it, then you go to invest. So how do you invest in the right thing? So now that you've identified your treasure, you've given up some of it. time to invest in eternal treasure... Eternal treasure is something that will last forever. People, the kingdom of God, helping to transform this world to reflect, uh, to make the world reflect the way Jesus would have it be. Refocus your life on spiritual treasure, and you'll find where you, um, what you will need to do then is invest in it with your time and your money and your energy. And at first, it'll feel like a sacrifice, right? But as it becomes your treasure, your sacrifice will actually become a blessing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this reminder that what we treasure, what we hold in our heart as our purpose and our deepest desire ends up defining the direction of our whole life. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll forgive me for many times making lesser things than you and your purposes in your kingdom, the passion, the treasure of my life. Lord, I pray for those who are sitting out here that they will, you will identify in their hearts and their minds, the things that they've been treasuring instead of you, the things that they've been treasuring instead of your purposes and your kingdom and your ways. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to give away that thing that we've put in, uh, that we've treasured in the wrong way. That we'll give some of it away so that we can go back to actually enjoying it without it consuming our fears and our worries. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will be our full and complete treasure, that people will find contentment and satisfaction and meaning and purpose in you. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. So we've got a few announcements here as we finish up. So on your table when you came in should have been a connection card. We'd love to have your information so that we can speak to you and see uh, what you thought about the service, any questions that you have, any comments that you have. We can keep you up to date about what's going on. If you'd like to give to the church, you can drop um, that right into that envelope and Um, Dart, if you'll grab this bucket here, and she'll collect up our offering, you can put it right in that envelope and just throw it in the bucket as she walks around. You can also give online at horizonphilly.com backslash give. Thank you to those who give that way as well. And um, the other thing is, as you fill out a connection card, and she picks those up also, if you are a first time guest today, we have a first time gift. Um, Over here at the connection table, it's a little bag that says Horizon on it. It's got a $5 Starbucks gift card. That's just a way for us to say thank you for coming today. And um, let's see. Our next thing is our small groups. So small groups have been on a break for the holidays. They're about to come back. So on January 16th at 6 p.m., our adult small group is going to do Francis Chan's basic church series. All those books just came in, so I'm excited about that. Larry, give a wave out to the audience there. Larry and Michelle, that's going to be at their house. And then Nick, he's still away because of college break, but he's going to be leading our college small group starting January 18th at 7 p.m. They're going to be meeting at Cadoba. The church is going to be buying some queso and chips. So if you're a college student, know a college student, come out for free queso and chips. And uh, they're going to be doing a uh, real practical thing on how can we take principles in the Bible such as serving the poor, um, correcting racism, sexism, and how do we practically put these into our world today. And then we're starting, my wife and I, a new study on January 21st. It's going to be at our home. We're going to have a meal, and we're going to be doing a finance study on just how to use your money practically. It's more practical than spiritual, and we're just going to be talking about how can we get out of debt, how can we use money wiser, how can we make budgets. Uh, So that's... Small groups coming up. And then uh, I think our next thing is homeless backpack. So each month we try to do a service project and it has been so cold. I was out there shoveling the other night and I was out there for 15 minutes and I was like, I hate this, I want to die. There are people who are living outside of this. That's a crazy thought to me. And sometimes I'll see a homeless person and I'm like, I have 26 cents in my pocket and I'm like, I wish I could do more. So we're gonna make some care bags And we're going to to, uh, distribute them among you so that as you see a homeless person, you can share it with them. And uh, what we want you to do is bring some socks and some fleece blankets and hand sanitizer. And the church is going to provide some uh, nice kind of nylon gym bags. And we're going to provide some um, hot hands and some snacks and some different materials as well to put in those bags. And on January 28th, we're all going to get together. It's an online service that day. The online service is going to be about using money to help the poor, and we're all going to get together. Um, We'll announce a location. It'll probably be in Bryn Mawr somewhere. And we'll get together and we'll stuff some of these bags together and just hang out for a little bit and then distribute the bags so that as you see people out, you can be a blessing to them. Um, our next service is gonna be online on January the 14th. I'll continue this series with an online message and that's at horizonphilly.com backslash messages. The next time we're here for a live service at the Ardmore Music Hall is February the 4th. So we'll be back for that. And then finally, all of you are invited. Usually after a service, we go and get some lunch. At the end of the block down here, next to the McDonald's is El Lamon. We're gonna go over there and have lunch. And so there's parking behind the building, and uh, if it was warmer, we'd walk, but it's freezing, so we're going to drive down. If you want to go down to the McDonald's on Lancaster, and then park behind there and uh, get some lunch with us. So let's pray, and you will be dismissed. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Lord, I pray that you will bless these people, that you will go with them, that they will see your hand at work in their lives this week, and that they will know that they are loved. And I pray this all like I believe Jesus would. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you so much.